You're listening to the Unfree Parents Podcast, episode 022. You are seen to chat about parenting, life, and of course, Humphreys McGee. I'm your host, Sarah Jahimiak, successful event planner, first solo female podcast host in the jam music scene, mom of three, wife, and total Umfreak. Are you prepared for what comes next? Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Umfreak Parents Podcast. I am super super, super excited to bring this episode to you guys. This episode features part one of my conversation with Joel Cummins. That's right, folks. Joel took some time before the show on October 19th in St. Paul to chat with me. That is just so awesome. It was such an awesome experience, and I'm so grateful for him taking time to do that. For anyone that may not know, Joel will be having his first child or um, has had his first child by the time this episode airs, um, making him officially an umfreak parent now. Um, He agreed to do part one pre-baby, and that will be aired in this episode. And in the future, I will be talking with him for part two about how his life has changed since becoming a, a dad. So be on the lookout for that. If you did not check out last week's episode where I chatted about the shows from October 18th through the 20th, there is a link in the show notes where you'll be able to find that. Before we head into my interview with Joel, I did want to mention a few things. If you did not know, there is an Umfreak Parents podcast website, your one-stop shop for all of the episodes and information about the show, and coming soon, a blog and merch. If you would like to submit some writing to the blog, all of the information where to reach the show can be found by clicking on the contact tab on the website. The show is also now accepting advertisers, and all of that information can be found on the website as well. Also, if you totally love the show, I would greatly appreciate it if you could give it a review because it helps other like-minded parents find it. And be sure to subscribe as well so that you never miss a new episode when they drop. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Joel Cummins, keyboard player for Umphreys McGee. Hope you enjoy. I am here with Joel Cummins from Umphreys McGee. And before we get started, I just wanted to thank you so much for taking time to do this. I'm super, super excited to have you on the show. And I wanted to congratulate you and your wife on the upcoming birth of your baby that's got to be so exciting <laughs> thank you yeah um so i guess we'll get started with that topic um what is the best piece of advice that you've gotten from the other guys in the band or the crew that are dads when you told them you were going to be a dad oh my god so much there's so much honestly I bet. I bet. um yeah i mean i think probably the most important one, and this is something that we we got from our our class with our our doula too, was that um, you know it's important to get early skin to skin contact for me and our and our baby because um, baby and mom are already going to have this you know this this connection and and obviously with breastfeeding too that's like you know that's something that's kind of built in so um, so yeah I want to spend as much time as I can. Uh, you know, right out of the gates. And thankfully we have about a month and a half here, no shows. So, um, 
hoping that'll mean I get to spend a lot of time with uh, with with both uh, Dasha and our baby. Very exciting. Do you know what you're having yet? We do, but nobody else does. How exciting! Very exciting. Um, so, what are you most excited about becoming a dad? Ah, well, I mean, obviously the idea of just kind of the unconditional love of a kid is, is pretty mind blowing. And that's, that's something I've seen, um, really kind of transform all my, my bandmates that are, that are parents. And, uh, it's, you know, that, that connection I think is, is something that it can't be replaced by anything else in the world. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm really excited just about the little things about seeing the world, through my uh, through my kids' eyes because I, I think that's something that'll be pretty inspiring too. Um, you know, in in particular, like things I've thought about. Um, you know, we live in uh, kind of the Venice Beach, Santa Monica area, and the idea of taking my kid to the beach and the ocean for you know the first time, and obviously it might may take a few times before it starts processing. Like, what is this? <laughs> But I think that'll, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that a lot. And, uh, um, yeah, just, uh, I mean, there, there, <laughs> there's so much. It's so hard to even really process. You know, it's a wild thing. Yeah, it really is. So you and your wife travel the world all over. Is there a place that you guys have visited that you're most excited about taking your child? Oh, well. Yeah, I, <laughs> once again, I don't know if I could uh, if I could identify one place. Uh, I mean, I would say generally Europe. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, Amsterdam, Paris, the Alps. Uh, getting back over there, I think, will be a lot of fun. Uh, whenever we do that, but we are definitely ready to uh, uh, to take baby with us on our adventures uh, as as much as we can. Um, okay, so let's switch gears a little bit and kind of take it back to basics for a second. Um, why don't you tell everybody um, when and where you were born and kind of like your upbringing, um, your parents and stuff like that? Sure. Well, I was born in LaGrange, Illinois, outside of Chicago, and I grew up in uh, Western Springs, which is right next to it, and went to high school in LaGrange at Lyons Township High School. Um, my parents were both teachers. Uh, my dad was a, a math high school math teacher, as well as uh, as well as an author. He wrote geometry books, and then went on to teach teachers to try to help math teachers, in particular, improve their communication skills. So that was kind of his thing. My mom was an elementary school teacher, and she taught mostly first and second grade. And so I grew up. Um, you know, obviously deeply entrenched in public school life. And uh, that's something that I, I, I really strongly believe in and support. Um, and uh, yeah, my, my parents, uh, you know, growing up, I remember a lot of, a lot of bike rides with both of them, a lot of uh, playing sports with my dad, a lot of reading with my mom. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, I was, very much encouraged to have a, a well-rounded life growing up. So, you know, so they, they got me involved in, in music, theater, sports, all kinds of, uh, all kinds of different activities. And I, I'm glad they did because 
a lot of those things are still things that, that I enjoy to this day. That's very cool. So when did music start becoming like the main thing when you were a kid? You, you said you did all these other things, but obviously at some point music became like really important to you. Was that always or was there just kind of like a tipping point in your life where music just made a big impact? Well, you know, my mom um, made me pick an instrument when I was eight years old. And um, the woman that was my teacher also happened to be one of my best friend's moms and was the the uh, pianist and organist at the church that we went to. And she is an absolute genius at music. And I, I didn't really, I mean, I appreciated it at the time because that was kind of why I wanted to even go to church at all. I was just stoked to listen to the music. Um, but, uh, yeah, my mom basically just made me practice 30 minutes a day and was relentless about that. And so I had no excuse. And she said, you know, look, if you don't like the piano, that's fine. You don't have to take piano. But then you're going to pick another instrument and you're going to learn that. So I figured after investing all the time and learning, you know, scales, arpeggios and all, all that stuff, kind of the hard stuff was the first few years. Once I got to high school and was singing in the, uh, the various choirs at Lyons Township, um, that was, I think, where music kind of really hit me on a, a deeper level, uh, realizing what a, what a group could do dynamically and, and kind of with, with precision with music and, and how impactful that could be um, for the audience as well. Uh, so that it was actually more of like uh, acapella choral music that got me more deeply involved in music as a whole and, and really made me want to uh, want to be a rock and roll musician. So I, I doubt too many people have taken that path. But for me, that's that's where it went. And, you know, it's, I, I still listen to tons of vocal music, uh, especially when I'm traveling. It's something that kind of brings me back and helps me. Uh, chill out through turbulence, things like that. <laughs> yeah. So what is some of the music uh, specifically that you grew up listening to and, you know, the, the new music, you know, I don't want to say new, but maybe what are you listening to now? Yeah, well, I, you know, I grew up studying um, Beethoven, Mozart, uh, Schubert, all, all, the, uh, all the great uh, all the great composers and really kind of found my niche with, uh, Debussy, Claude Debussy. And that's, that's music that I still listen to and I, I'm still learning pieces, uh, by him. So, uh, that's really important to me. As far as vocal music goes, um, saw a lot of performances of, uh, groups like the King Singers and Chanticleer. Um, and more recently have discovered a, uh, a vocal group called Voches Eight. And I really like their album Winter. Um, their album Lux is, is pretty fun to listen to as well. Um, but there's just so much, uh, great vocal music. I really dig like 15th, cent 15th century, 16th century vocal polyphony. So people like, uh, Palestrina or, uh, Jasquin Dupre, um, Cristobal de Morales. These are, uh, these are the kind of the early music that established a lot of what Western harmony became. So it's kind of the period between um, chant, what, you know, probably 20 years ago, there was kind of this, you know, chant kind of became a big thing. So it was once chant became polyphonic and there were more voices than uh, one seeing different lines. And before, you know, a lot of the 
Western harmony kind of became more organized under composers like Bach and Haydn. So it was this really interesting period where um, there appeared to be unwritten rules, but there's no evidence at all of these things being written down. It was kind of this un unspoken, unwritten, well, it actually may have been spoken, we don't know, but at least unwritten uh, rules of, of how to apply Western harmony. And that's really rooted in, uh, or really the roots of, of, um, of music today and, and everything that, that we know. That's very, very, very fascinating. I'm going to listen back to this and like write down everything that you were talking about so I can actually like listen to all of that. <laughs> I, should, uh, I should spell out Josquin de Pre because that's kind of a hard one. It's J-O-S-Q-U-I-N, new word, D-E-S, new word, P-R-E-Z. Okay, awesome. Thank you very much. I'm definitely going to appreciate that further. That's very cool. Thank you. That was that was quite an answer. Um, <laughs> um, so when was the last time that you went and saw live music? Not Maybe not like catching a, a random band at a festival, but, you know, intentionally went to see someone play live. Um, well, I'll give you uh, two answers for that. Um, Let's see, a couple weeks ago, I went to see Nikki Glastie and friends at the Mint in L.A., and that was super cool. Nate Edgar from uh, Nth Power was on bass, and Jen Hartwick sang some stuff. Uh, Ty Coombs, who's Jesus from Lettuce's brother, he was uh, playing drums as well. And uh, that, was a, that was a super cool show, playing sort of, um, I would call it like obscure uh, 70s um, funk R&B. And uh, really, really fun, really fun show. Um, and then uh, about a week before that, I um, I went to Las Vegas because Dasha was working at Life is Beautiful Festival. And I intentionally uh, went and saw Arcade Fire set and really enjoyed that. So um, those guys are a, a super fun live band, pretty wide variety of, uh, of music and uh, sounded great. Awesome. Very cool. Um, so if you were not in the music business, what do you think you'd be doing for a profession? Hmm. Good question. Maybe, um, you know, I have a couple answers to, for this and one of them is, uh, being a storm chaser, but that's, that's kind of a little impractical as far as like making a living doing that. So I don't know how you monetize that. I've got to figure that part out. Um, but I think I'd be a, uh, really good junior high geography teacher. Um, you know, I, growing up, I didn't, I didn't have any brothers or sisters. So whenever we went on a road trip, I had the Atlas in the backseat once I got done reading whatever book I was reading. So, uh, yeah, I'm very, very, uh, familiar with us and world geography. <laughs> Um, yeah, my, my oldest son is, is going to be a history teacher. I'm so excited for him. He's decided he's a, oh, that's great. yeah, he's a freshman in high school right now and he's taking two foreign languages and four honors classes and he's decided he's going to be a history teacher and do all the stuff about World War II. So very excited for him to be a teacher. It's going to be exciting. Um, nice. Oh, that's great. So let's switch it again and uh, let's talk about that show last night. Everybody is uh, <laughs> kind of losing their minds over what happened last night. 
Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It seems like everybody's kind of freaking out about how amazing it was. Um, I have not had a chance to listen to it yet, um, but my editor was actually there last night, and he texted me this morning and said that his jaw was somewhere still on the floor of the Canopy Club. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, that's good, I guess. Um, yeah, it's funny because it's one of those things, you know, we play um, a ton of different songs live. And last night we picked out about four or five things that we hadn't played in a long time or, um, you know, something along those lines. And, um, you know, it, it, it's funny because the experience is so different for us as the musicians as it is for the fans. And, you know, we play some of those songs and like Baby Honey Sugar Darling. Yeah, it's a funny joke, but it's like, you know, not our proudest moment as songwriters. So for us, it's more of a reminder. It's like, oh yeah, that's why we don't really play these songs. They're like these. So it's it's often in contrast to the uh, to the fans who are very excited about what's going on. But uh, yeah, last night kind of felt like just a. Uh, a fun, goofy show to me. And I know there were some, there were some good moments of improv in there too, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's always very, it's funny to us, like often how different the experience is. Um, I mean, there, there was a time earlier this year, I walked off stage in Columbus and felt like it was the worst show I'd played in a long time. And, you know, after that, all these people were writing me being like, dude, that was the best show I've seen in a while. So you know, it's all about the uh, personal experience. I, I think that's why we encourage people to go to shows with an open mind, keep your expectations low, and uh, and just try to have fun and enjoy being in the company of, uh, uh, you know, friends that are out there watching the show with you or uh, go make some, make some new friends at a show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you guys are playing tonight and tomorrow um, in St. Paul, and... So this is sort of like your Halloween shows because you're going to be off for a little while. Um, this will be aired after. I don't know if you want to say anything about the, the weekend, um, if you guys maybe do have anything planned, um, or you're just going to play two regular shows. Yeah, we're just kind of looking at these as, uh, as, as two standalone shows, and, uh, you know, we're going to obviously have a lot of fun and, and, and wrap it up. I think this is actually the longest stretch that we will have ever gone without playing a show coming up. So, um, so yeah, we've, you know, we've earned it 20 years of work. Finally get a little time off. Absolutely. And that was going to bring up too, that being, you know, this long stretch of time, obviously you're going to be, you know, very busy bonding with your baby, but how do you think that that helps, you guys individually as as artists but then together as a band you know how that helps you know having this amount of time off to come back together and you know with fresh minds and everything yeah well you know it's obviously good for perspective but it's also um you know being able to take little breaks like this really helps i think the songwriting aspect of it and you know after a week or two of not being on the road, I always kind of get this, get this itch to, you know, get back to the instrument and, and to really, to really work on stuff. So it's, um, you know, it, it's kind of like a, uh, it, it's like a deep cleanse sort of cleanse the palate and, um, 
and and have a little time for reflection. So I, I think that's important, especially with how much how much we tour and to be able to give everybody a little a little break. And you know, I'm just uh, I'm always also happy about feeling like you know these guys in the band are my my great friends and and um, you know and and having accomplished something both musically and I mean, life on the road is, it's a challenging thing. And for, um, you know, for what we do, it's not, we don't really come out here and, you know, there might be a night here and there where everybody's partying and we're having a good time, but for the most part, we're, you know, living our lives and trying to stay healthy on the road and, um, and trying to play good shows so that when we, we get back home, we feel good about what we did. Yeah, I'm sure it's it's much different now that everybody is, you know, starting to have families and, you know, everything. It looks much differently than it used to, I think. Yeah, it's really funny because, um, you know, I'm sure this will happen to me too, but, you know, we used to come out on the road and, like, play shows and rage, and then we'd go back home and sleep and, and rest up. And now it's flipped, so now everybody who has kids comes out on the road and everybody's like, oh, my God, I can't wait to come <laughs> You know, that's how it is when we go out of town for shows, though. I'm, like, super excited about being able to sleep in a really nice bed in a hotel. So I can see the understand. Yep. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you guys. I totally understand. Um, okay, so let's talk about the announcement of the 2019 Wax On, Wax Off tour dates. Um, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. I have, like, this sore throat that just will not go away. Um, I did ask you on Twitter about the reason behind the two night uh, stands in in different cities, but I thought I would bring it up again so we could let the listeners know too. So, what is the the reasoning behind you guys um, doing that? Well, you know, every market and every weekend is kind of its own thing. So, um, starting off the year, we have two shows in Richmond. We got two shows on jam cruise and two shows in Cincinnati. So one of the kind of more practical aspects of this was, look, if we're going to be playing jam cruise on, I think it's a Tuesday, Wednesday, um, that it, it doesn't make sense for us to be paying for buses to be out on the road on those weekends when we're not even using them in the week. So it was just a more practical decision to, find two markets where we could play uh, multiple nights in both of them. Um, and then everybody just flies in, flies out. Uh, we don't have the expense of the buses out there. Uh, we also give the fans the opportunity to, to, to roll into a town and, and a few great venues and be able to set up shop and not have to travel on the second day and, you know, just enjoy more time with their friends. I think that's something that over the years has become a more and more important thing as like various you know, groups of people around the country have kind of developed friendships with each other and, you know, everybody wants to hang out and party. And I, I think that, uh, that makes it a lot easier. Obviously it's winter too. So, you know, you never know when a storm's going to roll in and travel would have been, uh, kind of a harrowing experience that day anyway. Um, so that, that's one of the reasons. And, and, you know, kind of like I, I, I referenced there when we have, uh, some good rooms where we can play multiple nights in there. We, we do like to take advantage of that. And, you know, we've, we've kind of toyed with what is the, uh, what is the right amount to do a multi-night stand every, 
you know, everywhere from two nights in different places to five nights in Atlanta at the Tabernacle a few years ago, which was just, that was insane. And I don't think we'll ever do that again. But, uh, you know, for me, like two or three nights in one place is really the sweet spot. And, you know, being a fan of different bands too, whenever they do two night stands or three night stands, I think that's, uh, that's just as fun for me. Um, I should, I should mention, cause this is, uh, in my opinion, really fucking impressive. But uh, Dasha went to nine fish shows while pregnant this summer, three of them by herself. Nice. <laughs> nice. Definitely yeah. Yeah. Some kudos for that. I, I've done some shows when I was pregnant, but that's good for her. And yeah, she got after that. it. <laughs> nice. That's very cool. Um, so do you think that you guys are going to be, is that the two night? run in places is that going to be something that we're going to see more of in 2019 and beyond testing the waters on right now i mean we've been doing it on and off for for a few years to be honest so it's it's not that big of a change but you know most of our summer touring is either festival one-offs or when we're on the road for uh a few weeks at a time typically in august when we've done our summer tours those are more um more likely to be one-offs because we're playing bigger outdoor places so it's kind of a function of the size of the venue and and however well we do in the market um but uh yeah that's that's kind of how we decide things and um you never know i mean it's it it all depends you know how it how it goes this year if it's like oh okay this was a huge success and obviously people like this maybe we'll do it a little more and um you know, if if uh, if things don't go as well as we hope, then we look at it and we figure out, okay, how can we do this better? So, um, you know, every every time we sit down and try to plan uh, a tour of where we're going, we're looking at what we did the last time to set up the next play, and you know, kind of w- how things are trending. Okay. Um, do you have a? It's probably going to be very hard for you to pick, but do you have? <laughs> a favorite song that you like to play live, an original song? Yeah, um, it changes. But, uh, you know, kind of the the older ones that I really, uh, I really love are Heard Bird Bath and Water. Um, and of the newer ones, uh, I really like playing uh, Seasons, What We Could Get, um, you know, uh, Looks is a lot of fun. Um, Triangles here is really hard, uh, but but very uh, very fun to play. Yeah, so um, it all kind of it all kind of rotates uh, depending on um, you know what we've played and what we've not played. Um, we we always like to play our n- newer songs and feel like uh, you know we've we've released a lot of strong music over the past uh, past ten years. So um, so having having new things that are exciting to play is is kind of the lifeblood of what keeps us going. And I know a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people come to shows and, and they want to hear, um, they want to hear older songs, but, uh, I, I think that, I, I think that like a nice healthy mix of, uh, of new and old is, is always going to, uh, going to make me feel best about our shows. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what, uh, what is one of your favorite venues to play besides Red Rocks? <laughs> Favorite venues besides Red Rocks? Well, um, I mean, the Tabernacle for New Year's is up there. That's that's an absolutely awesome place. Love playing that. Honestly, you could look at our 
winter tour that we just put down and, and that we just put out there and every single one of those venues is kick-ass and I'm really fucking excited for every one of them. So uh, it would be tough to pick any of those over, over another one. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be at the Albany show. I love the palace theater. I'm excited to, to see you guys there. I've actually only ever seen Mo there for new year's twice. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, that place is awesome. Yeah, and I'm excited to see to go to the Tabby too for New Year's. I've never been there, so I'm very, very excited to experience Atlanta and oh yeah, all of that. So that's gonna be fun. That's pretty awesome. Um. Okay. So, do you have a favorite moment in Umphrey's history? Do you have like one moment that is just like your favorite maybe a favorite show or a favorite thing that you guys have done i know it's probably going to be really hard to answer that question oh yeah i don't know that, that is tough i have no idea yeah. <laughs> i mean there there have been so many uh so many fun things i mean obviously getting just getting to uh play red rocks is like the the entire show is a highlight every time you know every time um Man, yeah, I don't know. I'm always looking forward to the future as opposed to really thinking about highlights of the past. It's more fun to do it that way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and you guys have a lot to look forward to. So um, so one last question. Um, so when you're not on tour and you are not traveling, you know, if you are actually at home relaxing, what are some things that you enjoy doing? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I do a lot of yoga and like I go for runs on the beach. Um, my wife and I go, you know, I, I like to make breakfast at home, but we, uh, we like to go out and her, uh, her sisters and my brother-in-law live in town too. So we got a good little, uh, good little crew to hang with. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of wine drinking, you know, up until, uh, uh, early October this year, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of Cubs baseball on TV. Unfortunately, that that's over. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, living in Southern California, I think just trying to trying to take advantage of all the the great stuff outside there. You know, gone go for a lot of hikes, climbed Mount Baldy over there, which is one of the ten thousand one of the ten thousand footers on the uh, Santa Monica mountain range. Um, I did that with my sister in law last year. Uh, yeah, so you know, skiing is obviously a huge thing too. I got in 30 days this year, which was uh, a ton of fun. We bought the Mountain Collective Pass and went skiing uh, in the Alps in Europe, and you know, went around Colorado and Wyoming, Idaho. We were uh, all over the place. Um, Mammoth Mountain is kind of our home home spot, about a five hour drive from us, and it's just an incredible place. That is everything that I have. Um, I don't know if there's anything that you wanted to add or, or say or anything before uh, I let you go. Uh, you know, just appreciate uh, everyone continuing to support our music and, and listen to what we do. And, uh, you know, looking looking forward to, uh, to getting back out on the road and, and crushing some shows, New Year's in 2019. Awesome. Thank you so much, Joel, for your time. This has been a very cool experience for me and for my little show. And thank you so, so much. You're welcome, Sarah. And I, uh, I look forward to, uh, to hearing, hearing what people think. So have a great day and we will see you at New Year's.
Yes, absolutely. Have an awesome weekend. Okay, appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.